I think the hardest part, like for me, was my mom like discrediting like my trauma. She at one point told me to get over it because I wasn't physically wounded. Right. I wasn't shot. I was shot at, mm -hmm. but I wasn't shot. And she told me to fucking get over it. I have four kids. I would never tell my kid to get over something. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health. I am your host, Todd Rennebaum, and this is episode 77. Can you believe it? 77 episodes. Whew -wee. Uh, I honestly, I didn't think I'd do more than five or six. So uh, this is pretty good for me. Uh, and you know what? This is a very, very good episode. They're all very good episodes, and I honestly believe that. Uh, but this one, it's it's really great. Amy and I, we really connected, and we're good pals now. Uh, Amy Over is a Columbine High School shooting survivor, and uh, she was also a podcast host. Uh, her podcast was called Confronting Columbine, and it was a series. Uh, it's not an ongoing thing. It was, uh, I think, about eight episodes, uh, and I believe it was for the 20th anniversary of the Columbine shootings. And she talks to all types of people that were in the shooting in, in a roundabout way. Some of them were right there. Some of them were police officers. Some of them were people in the neighborhood, uh, so on and so forth. And it's just a really, really great uh, series. So that's Confronting Columbine. Now I'd also like to really quickly talk about next week's episode. Uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Sadir Gad. And Dr. Sadir Gad, he's a, an advocate for lithium. Uh, not just for severely mentally ill people or people bipolar or, or schizophrenia or whatever reason you use lithium, but it's actually an everyday uh, supplement. There's really good things about lithium, apparently. Uh, and uh, he talks all about that and where you can buy it and all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's Dr. Sadir Gad uh, next week. So I'm recording this right now, January 12th. The interview was recorded about a month ago, but anyway, it's January 12th, which means tomorrow I am recording live at the Indian Head Grand Theater with Big Daddy Taz. He's a stand-up comedian, and we're, yeah, we're, I'm going to be interviewing him live, and I will. that'll be coming up uh, as an episode. Uh, we're going to be talking to a few hundred kids. Uh, when I say kids, I mean like high school kids, uh, not like infants. Anyway, that's tomorrow, January 13th. And I'm, I'm a little nervous, to be honest with you. Um, not so much about the speaking, but that all the gear and everything and everything works out right. Uh, my brother's helping me. So thank you, Corey, for that. Uh, I also would like to say hello and happy birthday to my pal, Sergio. And I also want to say hello to my friends, Brett, Kurt, Kyle, Derek, and of course, Noreen. I have friends who, who lost someone very dear to them. And um, I'm thinking about you all, and I love you guys, so I, I'm so sorry for your loss. Okay, so now, this week's episode, here it comes. It's with Amy Over, here it comes. And without further ado, I give you Amy Over. Thanks for having me, and, um, you know, I, I think with the work that you're doing is really powerful. Well, thank you. And same, same. Uh, your, your podcast was amazing. Uh, Thanks. It, it was heavy. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I binged it, but it was like, 
it was so heavy. Maybe it was one of those things I shouldn't have binged. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've gotten that a lot. And with Glass Entertainment Group, um, one of like the biggest kind of like critiques we got was was because it was so heavy. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like producing it. I helped produce it. And and, um, there were days that I literally went into my room after recording and curled up in a ball. And was not well. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Um, so, I mean, I talk about heavy stuff all the time on the podcast, but I didn't go th- through it, you know, like I went through my own stuff, but I'm interviewing people that are, you know, we had separate journeys where you're, t- you were talking with people that were on the same journey as you. And yeah. so, yeah, it, yeah, would be pretty triggering at times. And yeah, really triggering. And then, yeah. Uh, confronting Columbine was, um, it was a year and a half in the making and really, um, I got to produce it and help, um, facilitate like the direction that it was going in. Um, I didn't want it to be about the perpetrators at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted it to be focused on the investigation and other people's journeys and what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Uh, because, you know, this is a lifelong process, you know, when you, when you have trauma, it's a lifelong, um, you know, process that you're, that you navigate through. Um, and everyone's on their own steps and their own time. And, and we, we've got to figure that out. So, um, that's why I'm a huge advocate for, uh, mental health and, um, yeah. And, and survivor mentality. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really fascinating speaking to the different, facets from the some of the kids that were there to some of the people that like your your coach's daughter your coach who dave who passed away to his family to um investigators that came in later like it was it was really well done it was you got to get kind of a lot of perspectives of this mass tragedy you know it's been almost 24 years since since columbine happened and i got to you know, some things are kind of blurry. So I got to like, you know, really figure out if I was on the hit list or not. And, you know, cause things are like super blurry when you're going through something traumatic like that. Um, and I never really wanted to know, but then, you know, once diving into the production and stuff, I'm like, well, let's, you know, and talking to Kate Batten, the lead investigator, I'm like, you know, I, I guess I do want to know if I'm on this hit list. And, and it, it helped me kind of heal And then on top of that, um, I got to meet this wonderful man that, um, let me into his house, you know, the day of, um, the day of the shooting. And I never like got to meet him and I, and I finally got to meet him. And and that was something that like kind of was closure for me Mm -hmm. that I, that I didn't know that I needed 23 years later, but I did. Right, because you were in the graduating class. So after the shooting, that was your last day of school there. You never ever went back. So that would be... No, we went to Chatfield High School um, and finished out. Like after the funerals, we, you know, we had our, um, some of our special senior things we got to do at Chatfield and got to finish up um, some of our classes and stuff. But like, it was really an odd, odd time because, you know, we, we were all in shock and we were, you know, basically sitting around in groups of, you know, like they were trying to like, it was like cat herding. They were trying to like figure out what the hell to do with us. 
um, because none of us could obviously focus on doing any any curriculum or <laughs> any work. So it was it was literally just us sitting around and kind of navigating through feelings and and not talking. Some some were talking, a lot of crying, a lot of you know. Um, I don't know, like media jumping out of bushes. And it was a really bizarre, weird time in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then never really getting that closure because you never went back to Columbine at all. Whereas, whereas other classes below you yeah. actually got to go back and kind of deal with it all and got to, yeah, kind of got some closure and got to move on. Whereas like your last day of school at Columbine was that day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I have mixed feelings about whether I would, would have wanted to go back. Um, mm. I mean, just knowing Columbine and, and what a wonderful commu community it is, I think I would have wanted to go back because I would have had that support system. I mean, it was a, it was not pretty. My, my, I don't know, my freshman year in college and like a couple years after that were really nasty and ugly and a lot of addiction, a lot of um, coping with alcohol, uh, blacking out, just, you know, um, trying to numb the pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was what I was trying to do. And I wasn't ready to go to therapy yet. Um, and you know, and that's normal, you know, when you go through something like this, but it wasn't until I met my husband and, um, you know, a couple years later where I, I was like, okay, I, I need help, mm -hmm. you know? And that's when I started my path to, to healing. Yeah, the, the interesting thing I noticed was, one, um, your mother wasn't exactly, she wasn't not supportive, but she wasn't, she wasn't, what's the word I'm looking for? She wasn't it's as okay. supportive as other parents, yeah. perhaps. And I don't know if that was just ignorance or just her way of coping. And then yeah. the other thing is I noticed about the trauma was, when you spoke with other people that were there and how later in life they, like it just followed them all through life between broken marriages, addiction, uh, even one one student uh, took his own life. And it's like, yeah. it's not, you don't get over it in two weeks. It took, it's taken people 20 years. It, yeah. And still, I and mean, still, yeah. I still have survivors that are, are coming to, to me and, and how do, how do I get help or, or, you know, a, a, an interesting thing is once a lot of my peers became parents right and their kids start going to school, they really are struggling with, you know, um, that safety aspect and that safety, you know, like how, how do I navigate, um, my kids going to school and my feelings of them going to school and do I homeschool or what, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just a lifelong, it's, it's going to be something that like, I can't beat myself up about. Like I, I was in a shooting and it's something that like is going to follow me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I've got to be okay with that. And, and I'm going to have hard days. I'm going to have days where, you know, I can't get out of bed and there's days that um, I'm okay. And I'm, I'm, you know, figuring stuff out, but there it's, I still have triggers in my life. Um, like fireworks and, you know, a car backfiring will like literally drop me to the ground. Um, you know, and those are like quirky, weird things that like, I just, as a shooting survivor have to kind of deal with, you know? Yeah. Um, and I recognize that, but, um, it's, it's hard when I have a lot of my peers. I, I do know a lot of peers that haven't even talked about Columbine and aren't even 
getting help, but maybe that's the way that they're coping and that's okay for them. Um, for me, I just had to, I had to be vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too with my stuff. <laughs> yeah. I had to be, I had to be vocal. I had to, you know, tell people that, Hey, it's going to be okay. And, and it's okay to ask for help and here are the meds that I'm on. And here, you know, I think it's great that, that you, you really, you know, you talk about the medication side of it, you know, I mean, there were so many years that I was um, embarrassed that I was on medication and embarrassed that, um, yeah, I was just, you know, almost ashamed, you know, that like, I couldn't do this on my own. I had to, I had to have help. But now I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, man, if I'm off my meds, holy, like, holy shnikes, like, watch out. Like, I am not. You can swear. You can yeah, swear. I'm like, holy shit, like, watch go. out. Like, I am not <laughs> normal. Um, and, and I'm okay with that now. Uh, but it also comes with, like, wisdom and, and growing older. And, you know, I, I'm definitely, you know, I, I'm in my 40s now. And, and yeah, I just have a different perspective on life now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I definitely appreciate life. Yeah, I'm, I'm 45 and it's been a journey, man. Like, I feel like this is the most stable I've been. And it's just been like a month that I was diagnosed with ADHD and I've been working on myself, like in and out of, oh man, it's been almost two decades of, of messing around. I couldn't imagine. You're on your own journey. Yeah. I couldn't imagine because I'm, I'm assuming there's people uh, from Columbine that, you know, have their own journey. And then add on top of that, they were in a traumatic school shooting. Like, yeah. like oh, talk about complex. Goddamn lives are crazy, man. Brains are dumb. It is crazy. It is, you know, but like trauma's trauma. And like we, you know, like uh, I used to work for the Rebels Project. The, it's a nonprofit organization that helps with, um, helps connect sur- survivors of mass shootings. I just actually stepped down from their director of fundraising last year or this year. Um, but they're doing, they're doing great work. And like, I'm hoping to do more work with like, you know, survivors, but I, I'm going to go out on my own, um, and do my own thing. Um, I I'm starting a company called survivors path. Um, we're going to go in public speak and talk about trauma and have those like really hard in depth conversations about what it's like to, what it's like to struggle and, and, and to persevere and to get through, get through it all, you know, because, you know, whether you've gone through a mass shooting or not, like everyone's got shit. Everyone's got, everyone's got trauma. Like, I don't care what family like (laughs) dynamics the people come from. Like I had trauma even as a young child, you know, with my dad being sick and stuff growing up. Um, and I, I, you know, I have like weird family dynamics and, um, you know, went through a lot of death and uh, growing up, a lot of people around me died. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I have like a weird, um, I don't know. I just, I, I have trauma too, like on top of, you know, that complexity of like a mass shooting. I'm like, you know, I'm always in the wrong place at the wrong time. My mom would say, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I can't help it, but I'm always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Hmm. Uh, That's true though. Everybody does have trauma and you can't compare trauma. I mean, if one person was in a school shooting and that's the most traumatic thing they've ever been in, in, in their life and other people, their goldfish died, 
that's the most traumatic thing that happened to them in their yeah. life. It's still trauma to them because they've it's, they've had yeah. a sheltered life, whatever. This is yeah. still a trauma. Well, they to them. saw something on TV that was traumatizing. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just I I think the hardest part, like for me, was my mom like discrediting like my trauma. She was mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and she passed away a year and a half ago, and um you know, it's, I'm, I'm still like grieving and and coming to terms with that. But she at one point told me to get over it because I wasn't physically wounded. I wasn't shot. I was shot at, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't shot. And she told me to fucking get over it. Mm -hmm. And that wrecked me, you know, that's a trauma Um, of its own. Yeah. That just wrecked me where I, I was like, man, like you're my mom. And you're telling me like, I need you to be loving and supportive. Like I would, I have four kids. I would never tell my kid to get over something. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it just as a mother myself. I mean, just those harsh words, you know, and that's something that I'm working through with my therapist and, you know, um, trying to come to terms with. Um, now my dad has been like really supportive. He's a Vietnam veteran. He's been like really supportive in my life. Hmm. Um, your stepdad, right? No, my real dad. Oh, yes. Oh, I got your story confused. I thought yeah, your I no. thought your real dad passed. No, my mom just passed. Okay, but I, I thought when you were younger, your dad passed. But he was just he was sick. He's sick. Yeah, <sighs> I listen he's to a, too many podcasts. You know what I mean? I get they no, all get no. muddled up. <laughs> so he's um. I kept my dad. I'm really protective of my dad. And I kept him out of the podcast for um, various reasons. Um, but he's a he's a Vietnam vet and uh, just a stand up dude. Like he's always like coached all my basketball and we, he was just there. He's always been there. But after the shooting, I think from being in Vietnam and his trauma, it was too much. Like, right. ha- I don't think he could. I don't think he could handle it. Um, and so and we we talk about it in bits and pieces now and he brings me into that war zone you know um he'll put himself and me into that war zone and i just i've kind of been like really protective of his mental health and that's why i didn't bring him in i didn't bring him into it so um but my dad lives like five minutes away from me we're homies we hang out we have lunch every week like he's He's like my biggest advocate and, um, and my biggest supporter. So, you know, I, he just, he couldn't hang, he couldn't handle it when I went through the shooting. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So, yeah. I mean, it's unfair, but it's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, so when you, when you did the podcast, was that the 20 year anniversary? Yeah. It was okay. Uh, Yeah. It was about 20 year anniversary. So. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about doing some stuff for the 25th anniversary. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'll do anything with glass entertainment group, but um, yeah, it was, it was big shoes to fill because, you know, the first confronting Columbine was confronting OJ Simpson. Hmm. And then they, they asked me to do it. And I'm like a freaking nobody, you know, like the other lady was, you know, um, Ron Goldman's sister. So she was like already in the spotlight and stuff. And so they brought me in and a lot of people were like, who the hell is this chick? Like, why, why is she, who, who's Amy over? And, um, you know, I, I just, I, 
I really enjoy, I'm proud of the work I did with confronting Columbine. I'm very proud of it. I didn't have a lot of support with my peers. Um, um, I had mixed, mixed reviews and which is totally Mm. understandable, you know, like, you know, I mean, why me, why did I get to do it? You know, um, what, so why you did so many, I did, did I hope I did justice. What now? Sorry. Yes. You, I think you did do it justice, but so why was it you, did you, was it your idea or did someone approach you? Glass entertainment approached me. Um, so they saw something I did on CBS and, um, CBS, uh, good morning America. And, uh, they had asked, I think another girl to do confronting Columbine and she declined. And then I think I was number two on the list. So they asked me and I, I was really hesitant at first, but, um, you know, when I work with uh, mass shooting survivors with the Rebels Project, I think th- they don't like to be in the spotlight like that. Um, so I think it was like really, you know, shocking for, you know, for them to support um, that I that I did this. So that I did, the you know, confronting Columbine. But um, I had some support like with my peers, but um you know, I, it was a mixed bag. You know, some people were like, Amy, you did a great job or, um, Amy, I, I can't listen to it. It's too hard, you know, like, and I respect that. And I, you know, I, I totally respect that, you know, and maybe someday they'll listen to it. Um, you know, because it isn't all about, it's not about the perpetrators. It's not about that. It's, it's, it's about Greg Barnes live, live, you know, and it's about, um, you know, really getting to the nitty gritty of, of what the investigation was about, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, bits and pieces of stories of, you know, Zach and Zach and, um, you know, they were huge advocates and like big supporters of me, but, um, you know, it it was hard, you know, a lot of people just said, I, I straight can't listen to it. It's too much. Hmm. That's fair. Like, I mean, if, yeah, if it's triggering, that's, that makes sense. Uh, but you definitely, it definitely wasn't like, there was no exploitation. Like there was no, you know, I mean, like no, sometimes, I made sure. Yeah, yeah. Like even when I'm doing this podcast, it's like, I worry people think I'm just exploiting people with traumas and stuff. And it's like, you know, cause sometimes I seek out higher profile people and stuff. And it's like, but that's, yeah. You, listening to it, I can definitely tell what your intentions were. You know I mean? It wasn't anything yeah. to do with exploiting and making money or whatever whatever it was but well um, you know at first they wanted it to go in like the Marilyn Manson direction to be honest with you like oh. they wanted it to go in that direction right okay because you were like so, you squashed that in the podcast like there was oh, all types I, of stigma stigma no rumors and things that you know yeah, you hear about yeah. the shooters you know, and we squash all that because that's not what Columbine's about yeah you know and and I mean, like the trench coat was army or whatever mafia. the hell they're called. Yeah. yeah, they were freaking trench coats at school. It was weird, you know, um, but they weren't like this mafia, you know, like a mob, you know, that. Yeah. yeah. And, and the shooters weren't they even did, in that, were they? No, they weren't even, they wore, tre- they wore trench coats that day. They wore trench coats, but they weren't, you know, um, I mean, they were like any other group in call at Columbine, you know, I mean, you had your jocks, you had your, you know, your potheads, you had your, you, you know, just like any high, any American high school, yeah. you know, except we had these dudes that wore trench coats sometimes, but it wasn't like they all, 
got together and had this like mob, you know? Um, so I, and it wasn't because of, you know, the shooting didn't happen because of freaking, you know, um, Marilyn Manson and music and, and video games. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, their, their parents fucked up too. You know, it was like, you need to know what your kids are doing. You know, how do you not know your kids are building pipe bombs? So how do you not know that shit? Um, I don't know. There, there's so many factors to it and stuff. Um, but Columbine was a great school, is a great school. It's an amazing community. Um, I still am involved in the community and I think I will always be, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and I understand why it's kind of a, well, there's a couple of reasons why it's so people are fascinated with it. One I mean, no, it wasn't the first school shooting, but it was the first major one. The first one where like media and it's like, just, it was, it was a zoo. The second, it was like, there was two shooters. Like how, who, I, I, how the hell do these two guys find each other and do that together? Like, what are the odds of that happening? So it was double bizarre. And, and now it's like just a common thing. And then it was supposed to be a bombing. It wasn't supposed to be a mass shooting. It was supposed to be a bombing. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they had bombs all over the school and how they articulated that, how they masterminded that is fascinating in its own, you know, like, it's just, it's sickening. It's, it's just like, how, how did they do, how did they, you know, get away with all of this? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, um, you know, and then they had lists and they got together and I mean, they were both crazy. You know, like, how do you find two crazies that go and and do something to this magnitude? It's just, it still baffles me. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's baffling how these two guys found each other and were, and one, like people get together and do stuff all the time, but always one backs down or one tells somebody or, you know, or that means there's instead of two parents, there's four parents to catch and none of them caught, yeah. you know, like it was just so bizarre how it all spanned out like that. It, it is. Um, but you know, I mean, I, it's just crazy that we're like, we're still 24 years later. Now mass shootings are a part of our society and, and yeah. you know, it's, it's, I always get asked the question, like, how do we stop this? What, what, you know, what do we do? And, um, I think a lot of it and 99.9% of it boils down to mental health, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, you can get into the gun gun stuff, but um, you know, I try to stay away from that, but like, I noticed that a lot of it's mental health and how do we get to these kids before they get access to a weapon? How mm-hmm. do we get to them? How do we, you know um, I, I know we have systems in place, but like, I mean, I'm not going to lie as a parent. I'm scared shitless that my kids are going to go through what I went through. Yeah. And in, even in, in the rebel, I'm sorry, I forget what it's called. The rebels project. Yeah. The rebels project. You were talking to one of your team members and her, she had a family member. Well, so she was in a, no, she had a family member in a, in a shooting. Then she also had a family member that was a shooter. Yes. So. Like how did how does that like what do you do with those dynamics? Yeah, and like uh, how often does that occur that 
you're able to be on both. Like, that's a lot of shootings to to be around, to be on both sides of it. You know? Oh, I know a I know a survivor in Paducah, Kentucky, who they were in the Paducah shooting in 1997. Then their kid was in the other shooting in, in Kentucky um, years later, like a like yeah. couple years ago. God. So, I mean, literally, it's like generational mass shooting survivors. That's incredible. It's heartbreaking. I don't, I don't know if you know, yeah. but I'm in Canada. You're in Canada? Yeah. So, I, I kinda, mean. I kind of got the gist you were in Canada. What part are you in? I'm in Saskatchewan. You are cool. <laughs> it's That's the Kentucky awesome. of Canada. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. I'm from Seattle, so um, mm. yeah, right. I yeah. Uh, close to BC and Vancouver. I was close to BC. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we do have school shootings here. I think one of the I think the last school shooting in Canada was actually in Saskatchewan, and wow. there was a few people that were shot. Um, but it is very, very rare. rare. Yeah. Um, and Why do you think it is? Why do you think it is so rare in Canada? Do you think it's because do you guys have a lot like good mental? You guys have a good mental health system, right? Uh, well, I, I I'll say no. I I okay. don't I I mean I can't compare it to the states, but I mean that's part of my advocating. How I, like six years ago I started advocating was because. Um, the mental health system was so terrible in, in, in my province. Anyway, I can't, every province is different, but, um, we still have people going to the hospital asking to be, uh, asking for help and then they're getting pushed away and then dying, you know, taking their lives hours later. Yeah. Um, but is your mental health, do you guys get it covered? Is it, it covered? Is. Yeah. It See, can ours be. is not. I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, it, it, it's both. You can go private or have it covered okay. and the private ones, you know, you, you kind of get what you pay for sometimes and the health region, uh, will pay for it, but it's, you might have to travel for it and they're, they're maybe not the best fanciest offices and stuff. You know what I mean? Um, well, that's the same with us. I mean, you can have your private, you know, um, I go to a private, um, psychiatrist and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely like with my health insurance, I could go and go to see a mental health care provider and it, I would have a copay or whatnot, but those ones I've found to not be, um, very helpful. So I, I've kind of just kind of bite the bullet, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, oh my God. but bite, I bite the bullet and, <laughs> uh, and I pay out of pocket, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately I can't, so, <laughs> so I have mental health issues, so I can't work full time. So then I can't yeah. make the money to go and pay for good mental health <laughs> um, providers, you know, but, yeah. uh, so I, I'm getting better. I'm, I'm, I've, I've found a nice balance in my life the last year or so, but anyway, good not about you. me. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but I, I think one of the reasons why there's less in Canada, I don't know. There's just, there is a huge cultural difference between Americans and Canadians Mm -hmm. It's subtle, but it's also huge. And one of it is guns. Um, we have lots of guns, but we don't have, you know, like handguns are illegal. And um, I don't know if you can get like the AR-5s or whatever they're called or AR-15s yeah. or I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what it is. I, I really don't know what it is. Yeah. Cause it, well, the bowling for Columbine. Have you seen bowling for Columbine? I actually haven't. Oh, okay. Um, 
I haven't, he, I, I know of it. I know of it, but, um, I, I haven't, uh, it's really hard for me. Like I read, um, at Dave Cullen's book. Um, and then I also watched, um, Sue Klebold's, um, one of her episodes and I actually read her book as well. Mm. Um, when I was doing the podcast stuff, um, and it, I had to read it with my therapist. So it's really tough for me to like dive into that, but, right. um, it's on the list of things for me to eventually watch. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a lot more than just Columbine. It, it's that yeah. the movie, but, but in there, um, I can't think of the movie guy, Michael. I can't think of the director. Doesn't I can't matter. think of his. Yeah. I think I know who you're talking about though. Um, but he, yeah, he kind of goes through stats of like American shootings compared to other countries in the world. And it yeah. is just so much higher. And I don't, I don't know why. I don't know. It's, there's no one single answer, right? It, like, it's a complex, like anything it's a, else. It's a gun issue. It's a mental health issue. It's, um, it's everything and, you know, everything involved. Um, and you know what, what I found doing the podcast was that it's a, it's a young male issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know, um, mm -hmm. which I thought to be fascinating when I talked to some of, you know, the psychologists on there that mm -hmm. it, it's a young man issue. And I thought that was like fascinating. Um, and you know, I mean, but you have ones that break out of the mold, like, um, the Vegas shooting, um, uh, was by an older man. Mm -hmm. Um, but typically it's like young males. So, yeah. um, that's like really disturbing. I'm raising two young men, you know, um, I'd like to think that I know their, their mental health, um, and what they're doing and what they're up to. But, um, it's scary. It's mm -hmm. scary. I'm not, it's kind of scary living here. Yeah. And I live in, I live in suburbia, Parker, Colorado. It's like beautiful. Um, but, but Colorado... it wouldn't surprise me if a mass shooting happened. I mean, just the other day you had one in a, in a gay bar again in Colorado. Yeah. Why in Colorado? Why are we having, like, we're known for mass shootings and weed. Like, why? Yeah. Like, we're I a happy, know. this is a happy state and a lot of athletic, like, I mean, there's always something going on in Colorado. And that's what I love about Colorado is that there's always, like, something fun to do and there's sport, sporting events and, like, I mean, I just like, it's a great place to raise a family, but like we have these horrific tragedies that are happening all around us and, and we've got to figure out like what, what's going on here. What's in the water. Yeah. And I mean, it's visually a beautiful state like, I don't, I don't know. It, it's gorgeous yeah. here. Like I, yeah. I don't, I mean, I wouldn't raise my family anywhere else, mm -hmm. but I'm scared that something's going to happen, but I, I've got to keep on keeping on try to advocate um for mental health i've got to try to you know get my story out and and hopefully help people mm -hmm. that's my goal is mm -hmm. to help how heartbreaking was it talking to some of the parkland survivors because that, that's that, that was a whole other one too like it seems like columbine and that one are kind of like the real main yeah i guess the, you, what's the other one to the elementary school uh, Sandy Hook. Yeah, I guess those three are kind of the uh, the yeah. main ones you hear about. But yeah, but yeah it um it was tough working with. Um, I actually went after. Um, so 
working with the Parkland community, I've worked with quite a bit and um, it's, it's tough. It is, it's really tough. Um, and especially talking with the teachers and the staff and how they were treated afterwards. And um, I mean, there's a lot of dynam dynamics there, but one thing that like really just broke my soul was um, I went to uh, an event at Columbine high school and I got to work with some of the Parkland kiddos and um, we ended up walking to the park after we spoke about our journeys um, to them and just kind of told them to hang on and hold on and everything's going to be okay. And um, we're here to help. And um, once I worked uh, at the park with them, um, I had this one teenage girl come up to me and she just grabbed me and held me. And um, she goes, am I going to be okay? I'm so angry. And she goes, you talked about your anger and how angry you were. And I feel so much rage. And like, then she just cried. And I just held her and we, we talked and, and she said, I'm so mad at my mom. I felt like I was looking in at myself. Like when I was looking at this little girl, you know, I mean, she was 18 years old, about the same, the same age as me. I was 18 when I went through mine and I felt, I just, I could empathize with her that, you know, like the anger piece and the, and not feeling supported and not feeling, um, and I, I've been thinking about this girl and I don't know her name and I, I just wonder if she's okay, but like that will stick to me forever, you know? Um, yeah. Well, bless yeah. you for, for having to go through your own traumas and then help others through theirs. It's, it's uh it's pretty amazing that that you're able to how, do that. It's how we it's how we help people, you know. I I think you got to get you get to a point with your recovery, you know, um that you know, and some people don't, but you know, I'm blessed that I'm able like I'm I'm at a point in my recovery where I'm like, all right, like I'm I'm good enough that I could go help people <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, good enough. I'm good enough. I'm good enough where I can go and support people. And, and, you know, a lot of times it's just listening, you know, and just being there for them and also giving them resources. And, and, you know, especially if they're here in Colorado, giving them the resources um, for counseling services or, you know, check out the rebels project or check out um, the, I love you guys foundation. Um, you know, there's the, there's, um, there's so many amazing, the onsite foundation is like an amazing, like mental health, you know, um, resource, um, for mass shooting survivors. And so there's so many amazing organizations that are willing to help, you know, uh, when you're ready to start that, you know, not everyone's ready to help right away. Yeah. And that's another thing too. It's like some parents can be, you know, like your mom who was like, yeah. just wants you to get over it. And whether that's because of something she's going through herself and, you yeah. know, she can't stand watching it or, or what, for whatever reason. I often wonder about the other side though, when parents like push them, their kids into therapy and stuff, when the kid's not ready like that, is yeah. that, I wonder how, how damaging that can be too. Yeah. I mean, or if and, it is, I don't know. I, and I'm not on that side. Thank goodness. You know, that I, I'm not, 
you know, I would hope that if that were to happen to one of my children, that I would know the tools, know the right way to navigate that. But I mean, who knows? I am a helicopter mom sometimes, dude. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I might be that mom that's like shoving therapy down their throat when they're like, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. my wife I and I know. too, we, we've gone through enough stuff or, you know, individually and stuff that, you know, yeah. well, our, my son's 18 now and uh, 16. And so, yeah, we've seen them oh, have some issues yeah. and it's like, yeah, I'm almost worried that I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it too much. You know? like, no, they, I mean, I bet you're a huge, um, you know, like it's probably an honor for them to be able to like see that you're helping people. You know, um, I, I bet, I bet they look at you like, you know, they look up and they're like, okay, I, it's, it's, it's good that my dad talks about this stuff. You know, I mean, maybe that's, <laughs> we hope that that's what they, what they think, you know, or, or they're going to look back and say, you know, I lived in a house where it was okay to talk about tough times. It's okay to talk about really hard things, you know? And to work and to have the coping mechanisms and to have like the coping skills to, you know, or to teach them, you know, good coping skills. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say because they're, they're both complete individuals too. So yeah. one thing works for one and maybe not the other. And right. then you find out later is like, oh shit, this guy's harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. My little guy is really physical. So like he, I got him into boxing, you know, and he's dyslexic and, um, just struggles sometimes. And, um, so I got him into tackle football and boxing. So he's like hitting shit. Um, that's kind of, and that's how I got through a lot of my stuff is I box and that is like, I like to hit shit and get my <laughs> rage out. So that's like what, that's what I do. Um, now my daughter screams and cries and, um, you know, um, and has to talk a lot about her feelings. So it's, you know, I love it, but it, it can be emotionally draining sometimes, but, um, <laughs> she can come to me and, and we, and we talk a lot. And then my niece and nephew live with me and we're navigating like how they cope with things. Um, cause my, my, uh, brother and sister-in-law are heroin addicts. Um, mm. so I got custody of their kids. Um, and I didn't talk about this in the podcast, but, um, I got custody of them, uh, three years ago. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah. That, that's so your I, br brother, did you say? Uh, my husband's brother. And oh, I see. my sister-in-law. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, good on you for that as well. I mean, that's. Oof. Well, it's been, it's been a rough, you know, my mom got sick and then, um, you know, I, I found out my niece and nephew were in a motel and they needed someone to come get them. So my husband and I said, come live with us. Like we, we got this. <laughs> like, so it's been, it's been a crazy three years, you know? Um, and then I was producing the podcast, you know, when, when all this shit was going down and, um, so it, I really had to dig deep and kind of figure out, you know, my mental health too. Cause I, I was kind of a mess. I'm like, can I, can I raise four kids? Am I, am I going to be okay? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Yeah. Um, well, well, you're talking about like helping others and being there for, for, uh, other victims and stuff. And it's funny. I've, <laughs> I, I've done that too, but at the same time, I also have to have boundaries with people because of my own 
anxiety and mental health issues and and it's like I, I'm sorry, I, I cannot take on any more right now or I won't respond to a text or if I do respond to someone's text, it's like, call this number. Like, I'm sorry, like, I, yeah. I'll help when I can, but when I can't, it is not, I'll be no good to anyone. I'm, I'm useless. So um, it's That's amazing. That's the best that, advice. That yeah. is the best advice is you said it right there, setting boundaries. Yeah. And I've, I, I do a pretty good job at setting my boundaries good, and who, good. who I can take care of, who, who I can't. Um, I really, uh, I keep my circle small. Um, I think that's like really important. You know, um, I, I have a good, uh, network of people that can help me and that I know that can help me on like a drop of a hat, you know, someone can, someone can come help, but, um, you've got to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, so, and, and it's hard because you want to help everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had you a few do, young people. I've had a few young people reach out and it's like, Mm-mm, sorry, can't. Yeah. I feel like then they feel like, yeah, they're being invalid. You know, I don't want to invalidate them or make them feel neglected even more by another adult. But yeah, I, I just. Yeah. It's I've had a few cases where I've had to either delegate to another person or I just like physically mentally could not help them. I was like, I, I can't do it. I don't have the capacity in my brain right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just good to help. Like I'm, I'm, I'm down to help people. And, uh, I'm, I hope that, uh, this next venture I'm on and I, I'm going to be able to help people. Mm-hmm. What, what's the name of the, the new foundation? survivor's path? survivor's path yeah what's your vision so we always talk about walking a survivor's path with them or their journey with them um so um we're gonna go speak at like conferences and we're gonna facilitate mental health workshops um i would like to have a nonprofit on the side of it where a certain proceeds from public speaking go to um just a bank account where it I pay for people's mental health services because it's not affordable at all. It's not fair. And when someone's ready to start that journey or start that path and you can't afford it, like, what are you supposed to do? You know? So I want, I want to be able to like help, you know, facilitate that and help, you know, people be able to, you know, pay for their meds, pay for their, if they want to do goat yoga or I don't know, like, uh, acupuncture or something for their mental well-being, I want to be able to help, you know, support that. Um, and then, uh, there's a couple survivors that I'm going to work with that we're going to go around and speak and, um, hopefully bring on more survivors and, and, you know, talk it, you know, to law enforcement, to schools, to, you know, really get in there and, and talk about, you know, um, school safety and, um, parenting as a survivor and just share our stories Hmm. of survival. And when you say survival, is it all survival of mass shootings or just in general of mental health issues? Mental health. I mean, just you, you know, we all go through seasons of our lives, you know, and we've got to figure out, um, a way to help each other and, uh, and a way to, um, you know, help our mental health, um, physically. So I'm, 
I'm excited for this new venture. Um, it's in like the, I just got my logo, like we're like, that's the fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's the fun stuff, <laughs> but, um, it's a little nerve wracking because I worked for the rebels project for seven years and, uh, I hope to work with them too. And, you know, because I think we've got to collaborate as, you know, survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of my plan. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for you, and I, I wish you all the best in that. Um, Thank you. you. You've got more energy than me. Because <laughs> every once in a while, I'll, I'll be like, oh, I should start something else. And it's like, you know what? Uh, no. <laughs> no, you're doing good. You're doing good work. You're getting the message out, you know? I think it's it's important for people to hear, you know, um, you know what you're going through and, and how you get through it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I'm always fascinated with the guests I get. And it's amazing how many people are willing just to, to talk to me about this stuff. Cause for years I was doing my own talk and walking around, walking around. I was walking, I was driving around doing, <laughs> doing talks and stuff too. And it was like, yeah. after a while, I don't know, maybe you'll find this or maybe you've found this. You get tired of telling your own story. It's like, okay, there's yeah. only so much more I can do. And so it's, yeah, you, you, you want to kind of create another platform for others. Sounds so yeah yeah well maybe we could have you come out to uh colorado and and you know be on one of our platforms you know that would oh, be awesome that would, that would be, be awesome yeah i gotta get i gotta get rolling with it but once i get rolling with it i'll definitely be in touch with you and um we'd love to have you come out and you know um do a workshop with us or something oh that'd be yeah that'd we be really co- cool yeah we could collaborate and stuff i think it's really important for um males in particular to talk about mental health mm-hmm. yeah. you know um, my husband's not so good at that <laughs> or or your dad it sounds like no he's not they're they're not good at it you know and I'm, I'm trying to raise two boys that you know i want i want them to you know communicate and ask you know what they need and when they're struggling and mm-hmm. it's hard how, how are your your in-laws doing are they still using still out and about Yep. They're uh, living on the streets. No contact with them. Um, My brother-in-law is probably not going to make it. Like he's super sick and a diabetic, Mm. uh, heroin user, fentanyl user. Um, We've all tried our best to like help them, you know? Um, But the past three years I've totally like wiped my hands. I just, the only thing that I can do is help take care of those kids. Yeah. That's yeah. my job. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's, I've gone through addiction. I wasn't heroin. It was, you know, but whatever. I was, I went through addiction. I went through, uh, you know, suicide attempts going in and out of psych wards. And I, I tell people, I think my role was the easy role. It was my loved ones having to sit and wait and watch and worry. I think that's the harder role. Oh, it's awful. Because you feel you feel helpless and useless, and yeah. yeah. But then there's that anger piece of it too, and like mm-hmm. sadness. And you know, my husband's going through a lot of like sadness and anger. You know that he's like, why couldn't why couldn't I help him? Why couldn't he try to help himself? Yeah. Um, are we not enough? You know, like yeah, it's it's hard. You know, um. And, 
you know, not only that, like, I felt like I didn't, I didn't know what it like, it looked like for someone to be on drugs. So like when my brother-in-law was like starting to get into like heroin and stuff, I didn't understand. I thought he was just drunk. Mm. So like he would ask me for money and, and I would always give him, you know, I'd take him to the ATM with me. I'd give him a couple hundred bucks and sent, you know, we'd have dinner and hang out and he, you know, like manipulated me all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like angry about that, that I was so naive. Right. To like that he used me, you know, and, 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 and then we had a huge falling out and like a big fight. And, um, when I got the kids, um, and I never, I haven't spoke to him since, and I know he's not going to live much longer and that's going to be like another guilty, like grief thing that like we're going to have to go through and it's going to be really freaking hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really fucking hard. Like the addiction part, you know, it's sad. It is. Um, I've, I worked in addictions. Oh, I worked in the treatment center that I went to for a couple of years afterwards. And I have a close friend who lost family. Like I know lots of, unfortunately I know lots of dead people. And, uh, it as like I said, as the, as the family, I think it might be the harder role because it is so much more confusing it, like you said, it's so like confusing. you want to help, but then you get manipulated. So then you're angry, but then you feel guilty for not being there. And it's just this round and around and around. And it's, it's awful. I think what you're doing is, is awesome. You know, you're taking care of their kids. You're doing the best you can. Oh, yeah, um, They're my kids now. I, I love them. Like they're, you know, I, I love them like a son and daughter and um, my heart breaks for them every day that, you know, it just, it's, it's really tough. I think, um, you know, we're about to head into a season that is going to be really tough. And will um, this be their first Christmas with you? No, this is, will be their fourth. Fourth. Oh, right. You said three years. Okay. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Yeah. This will be our fourth Christmas. We just got our family pictures taken and you know, it was really, I have to laugh about, like, I always try to find like some funny, just, I have a goofy, probably not goofy right now, but I have a goofy sense of humor. Um, but I remember the first year I got the kids, I didn't tell anybody at all, like, uh, I, other than like our immediate family. So we, and I'm really into Christmas. So I got Christmas family pictures and James and Maddie, my niece and nephew are in our, our, our family pictures now. And I get all these, I send out my family Christmas cards and all, <laughs> everyone's sending me like DMs. They're like, holy shit, Amy, like, you have two extra kids. Who are these kids? Like everyone's like, who are these kids? Who are these kids? <laughs> I'm just like, I just put two extra kids in my Christmas cards. I'm like, they're like, what? They're like, what the hell? Like, they're like, what is, what's happening here? So it was really, it was kind of funny because I'm, I'm a pretty private person. So like I, I keep to myself a lot with it when it comes to like family stuff. Um, Cause what are you supposed to do? Post on Facebook? Like, um, so yeah, my, yeah, you know, yeah, my brother exactly. and sister-in-law are crackheads. Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, happy day. Our family has grown by two. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, what like, am I, you know, like I, yeah. So I, I just did that. So now everyone knows that, you know, that James and Maddie are ours and they're a part of our family. And, um, I, I couldn't be more blessed and, and happy, you know, um, at first it was tough, but you know, now that the parents aren't involved, it's, it's just like, 
we have our own family dynamics now, like we're our own family, but it was really complicated when I had, um, the, you know, um, what are they called? Like guardian and litems involved in like the state workers. And I mean, they really like made us feel like we were the victim, like we were the bad guys. So it was, you know, because they give mom and dad so many chances to get their kids back here in, you know, Colorado, like they give, you, you can like shoot up heroin and go see your kids, you know, it's not fair. And then we're the ones that get like, you know, scrutinized if like, I don't know, like any, anything like it was, it was a tough time, yeah, but we're done with all that shit now. Good. Yeah. I can only imagine how difficult that would be. Um, so do you mind me asking the ages of the kids? Um, they're, uh, almost 17 and 14. And, and the other two? And then my daughter's 17 and my son is 10. Oof. It's going to be I know. four I teenagers. It, oh my God. They eat so much. <laughs> oh my God. I know. <laughs> my 16 year old is as thin as a rail and it's like, dude, where's this food going in your feet? Cause he's got massive feet. I'm like, that's so funny yeah we spend uh i'm not even gonna you know it's embarrassing how much i spend a week on uh groceries and they're like there's nothing in the house i'm like dude like come on like you guys eat every and they fight over food and like i mean they're like savages you know they like fight over you know doritos and stuff it's it's pretty awesome huh well yeah, I think we could start our own uh, support group. <laughs> right? Parents I need with that. Uh, hungry teens. <laughs> I know. I got hungry teens, man. I got and my actually my my fifth grader eats more than the teenagers. Thank you so much, Amy. That's amazing of you to do that and to to speak with everyone and to keep doing that kind of work, starting your new organization. Um, and Amy and I have been talking a little bit and, you know, I, I, we plan on doing a lot of collaborating and, and some working together in the future. And I can't wait to do that. And yeah, that's very exciting stuff. Uh, so thank you again, Amy, for, for everything you do. Thank you everybody that leaves comments and, and things and reviews, ratings, uh, on whether it's on Apple or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Uh, I'm, I, I got a couple really nice new reviews and I'd like to read them for you if I may. Uh, this is from Carrie Hind. Uh, she sounds lovely. Uh, captivating and compassion dot, dot, dot. I am so impressed with how you take on these difficult subjects and allow people to tell their stories in their own way. Always time well spent listening to this podcast. Thank you, Todd. Heart emoji. I'm assuming that's how she sounds. This is from Daniel Unmanageable, who was a guest on my show. I was a guest on his show. Uh, his show is called Hard Knocks Talks, and it's it's about sobriety and everything to do with sobriety and and addictions and stuff. And he's he's a global superstar. Daniel's message says, "Great message, five stars." Todd has a way of keeping it light and finding the most engaging and guests who may otherwise prefer to stay out of the limelight. He has a way of encouraging confidence that I myself experienced when I was a guest. Highly recommend. I'm assuming that's how he sounds. 
even though I know exactly how he sounds. So anyway, uh, that is Daniel Unmanageable, Hard Knocks Talks. Go check it out. He does uh, Facebook Lives. Uh, he does the show live. Uh, you can also see it on YouTube. He has an audio uh, podcast uh, all over wherever you find podcasts. And uh, yeah, support him. It's, it's about, all about sobriety and addiction, and that's neat. One more thing, well, a few more things, uh, but this is one more. I'm going to be speaking at More Joy Regina, and that's an event in Regina, Saskatchewan. It's at the Conexus Art Center, and I encourage you to go buy tickets and show up and, and check it out. Uh, I'll be one of the guest speakers. I believe there's three in total. Uh, I'm not the keynote speaker, but m maybe next year. Who knows? Uh doesn't much matter it, we've got it's going to be a great event and there's great speakers uh, there's going to be singer carissa holfart she's going to be talking and the keynote speaker is darcy lang there's going to be therapy dogs a stress kit station photo booth uh some other different services and and fun things you can do uh so come on down to connexus art center that is january 25th doors open at six o'clock come on down do that another thing i want to give a quick plug to is teen talk tuesdays uh if you have a teen and you want them to hear someone talk about mental health and uh, addictions and you know all that kind of juicy stuff uh you can go to a youthmatter.ca website there is teen talk schedule there and it's a tuesday usually Tuesday Teen, Teen Talk Tuesdays. That's what it's called. And uh, yeah, they can watch someone talk and learn some stuff and get some tools and uh, maybe relate. Uh, so that's Teen Talk Tuesdays, youthmatter.ca. And finally, if you would like to leave a comment, question, concern, review, please follow me on Facebook, Bunny Hugs and Mental Health Podcast, on, and on Instagram, Bunny Hugs Podcast, and on TikTok, bunny hugs podcast please feel free to comment on any of the memes or any of the videos or any of the any of that kind of stuff that uh, that i put up there so that'd be great and it would be very very helpful if you leave a review on apple and rate the podcast okay i think i'm done now oh no there's one more thing please remember to make your beds and take your meds bye